You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. Welcome back to Time to Revive. My name is Mark Bird. I'm the host again today. And as I say every week in and out, we have an exciting episode today. I've got a dear, precious brother, friend of mine, joining me on the program today. His name is Russ Thomas, and he is from Lima, Ohio. Russ, welcome to the program today. Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. It's my pleasure. And you know, it's funny, before we got rolling here, Russ and I were just talking about a little bit of spiritual warfare and how the enemy fights us tooth and nail when something good's about to happen. And so, man, we're being set up today. And that's one of the reasons that I'm super excited to have Russ on the program, because literally we've been talking back and forth for several weeks trying to find a time and everything that works for Russ. And he's joining us remotely today. And I'm super excited because as you know, as you've been tuning in, that you know we're talking about lifestyle evangelism. This isn't just evangelism that we do when there's an event, but this is called evangelism that we do as a lifestyle. And you know, Russ, uh, we were talking just briefly a minute ago about how do you do that if you're not the full-time pastor, that you don't do it for a living. Russ, how would you respond to that? How should we view evangelism? So I guess the foundation of evangelism is love. And if you allow love, the love of Christ to be your foundation, it's going to just flow from you naturally. You're not going to have to schedule meetings and make appointments. You're going to just be armored up daily ready as in Isaiah, I believe it's 65, when um, God says, who shall I send? Uh, Pick me, pick me. And what happens is, is you don't have to plan this witnessing and evangelism. It can happen. It happens every morning when I get a cup of coffee at Speedway. It just starts with loving people enough to start a conversation and build a relationship. There's times that I just um, will ask someone how their day's going, and they'll say, okay. And typically that forces them to as a courtesy, ask me. And uh, I tell them I woke up not an addict again today. And that intrigues them. And then uh, many times I've started to tell them my story and they're waiting for me outside to finish it. It's just being being available and just loving people enough to care to pour into them. That's so good, Russ. And, uh, you know, what we teach at Revive is to love, listen, discern, and respond. And I love it mm. that you started right out of the gate with love. And I wrote down, Russ, foundation of love. I think that's what we'll title this particular episode. Listen, it has to come from a foundation that's founded in love, That because that's how Jesus himself approached every person. Anytime he ever approached someone, it was in an attitude of love. Yes, and it's not difficult. I mean, it's <laughs> so many people try to gear themselves up to approach someone with a speech. And really, you're, you're kind of setting yourself up to fail if you plan this. Um, the foundation besides love is faith and the faith that you have that the Holy Spirit is going to speak through you. No matter what you say, it's going to come across right. I think the word even says the Holy Spirit will take your groanings and convert them into prayer. So this Holy Spirit, many times the things that I'm saying to somebody may not come out exactly right. But that hearer, they're going to hear it because God is going to use the Spirit to translate that into them. 
and allow them to receive it in the way that he wants it to. So many times if we script this, we are going to fail because we're thinking more about what we want to say versus just letting the love of Jesus Christ flow from us into someone else. I think I've heard it said through Emmaus circles, you know, we're just all beggars trying to show another beggar where to find bread. It's so good, Russ. And, you know, I love it that you mentioned that because as I shared with you before we started rolling the recording, a lot of times when I have guests on, we don't premeditate or we don't prepare per se some big speech to come onto the radio and say, it is just purely what the spirit of God lays upon our heart. And I love it, Russ, because we have listeners Okay, that have maybe they're listening for the very first time right now, but it might be the hundredth time you've listened to this. But we have those listeners, Russ, that they're saying, Well, man, I don't have a, a good written script of what to say. And I'm so glad you led with that, Russ, because you like, I don't know what to say. And then secondly, you said, Sometimes I don't always say it right. And I guess the point is, how do you say it right? Russ, but what you said was, how do they hear it right? Yeah, so there's many times that we don't know what to say. The Bible even says there's many times we don't know what to say. I'm an example. I was walking to Walmart one day and wearing shorts. It's obvious I'm a right leg amputee. And there was a fellow that was dressed in biker colors coming at me with a cane. And now, if I would have scripted this, I probably would have offended him and he would have cursed at me and move on like he did to everyone else who witnessed to him. But I just walked up to him in love and I just said, hey, brother, what's with the gimp? And uh, he told me about a motorcycle accident he had and the person that hit him got off and uh, he didn't he never got any compensation for his injuries. And uh, I don't remember much about what I said after that. I believe the spirit took over because my wife heard what I said, but I don't remember what I said. But the way that I said it, she said she'd never heard me speak like that in a witnessing situation. And I believe that the Holy Spirit entered me and allowed me to speak in biker tongue because she said, you actually used language I never heard you use before in ministry, but he got the message. So I think we've sometimes put limits on God. I mean, God is not a God of sin. God is not a God of of uh, allowing us to sin, but he is a God of love. And I believe that many times when we leave the 99 to go after the one, sometimes you're going to trip over thorns and cactuses and things might slip out that aren't quite godly. But what is our effort at this moment? Our effort is to love. And if we try to script it so much, we may mess it up. If we just allow our love to flow, um, man, things are going to happen. And you're going to walk away and say, I don't even remember what I said, um, because God's word is going to get through one way or another, whether we're obedient to it or not. His word even says that if if we stop praising him, the rocks will cry out. So I can't explain how that happened or why that happened, but because I said it the way I said it to him, he got the message that forgiveness was not about the woman who hit him. Forgiveness sets him free from the offense that was made to him, and now he's no longer in bondage to them. Um, so I can't remember exactly how I said it, but whatever I did say, I don't remember, but it came out good and he received it. So whether I said it right or whether I said it wrong and he heard it right, uh, God's Holy Spirit was in control, control of that. And my only place is obedience. And I love that so much, Russ, because it takes the burden off of you. 
the person that Amen. is sharing. Like, it's like, it is not about the exact same way. It's not about a, a perfect script. It's about the motive. It's about the motivation. And when the motivation is love, God, through his Holy Spirit, anoints exactly what we say to be exactly what God wants it to hear. I believe it's Isaiah 58. It says, God's word will not return void, but it will Mm -hmm. accomplish everything that God sets forth for it to accomplish. And so if it's his word coming out of our mouth, and, and I'm sure... Russ, you don't sit there and just quote scripture back to back because that's not what we're talking about. But God is love. And so when you're sharing about him, you're sharing about his love. And there's so many things, I think, Russ, that we could talk about when it pertains to God and his love. And I'm reminded right away, of course, lots of people have this memorized, but just the very foundation of love, like you said in the beginning of the program, John 3, 16, and by memory, I'm sure you can all quote it with me, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then I'm always a fan now of not stopping at verse 16, but grabbing verse 17, because I think, Russ, it goes right along with what you've been sharing today. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And, you know, I think Mm -hmm. about that. You didn't come at that guy in Walmart. You didn't come at him with condemning words because I bet you he's sinned before. But you know what, Russ? So have we. (laughs) We've sinned before. And so the amazing part of this is like you didn't come with a condemning, judgmental way. You came at him with a foundation of love. Yes. And, and so many times we worry so much about the seed that we're going to plant or the seed that someone else has planted that we're going to water that it's almost like we don't get it planted properly. And so many times that we go into this witnessing and, and, and discipling situation and we want to plant that seed. And then we, we want to go back a little bit later on and, and dig it up and see if it broke open. Well, you know, mm. every seed has to sit in darkness for quite a little while before it breaks through where the S-O-N hits it and makes it grow. And if we go back and keep hounding this person, um, then we're going to kill the seed that we planted by keep digging it up. And the biggest part in the spring when I plant seeds in my garden is that when I put the seed in the ground, I walk away with my hands in the air and saying, now it is God's business and there's nothing I can do until it breaks ground. Or if I try to dig it up again, I'll kill it. So many times what God is going to say to the person that we're talking to, a big part of what gets through is our faith to walk away and let God do what God does. So many times our faith is what quenches someone else's growth because we can't just let them go and let God do what he does. We make our yoke heavy and our burden heavy because we don't trust God enough to do it. So we have to be able to plant those seeds and walk away and then let God call them into the kingdom. And then we be there to disciple them once they break ground. And then we start to nurture them. But that that period of darkness before that seed breaks ground is very important because God needs that time to circumcise that heart so they're ready to receive the word and the gospel that we're going to pour into them once they break ground. 
I think that's so good, Russ. And, you know, we talk about this quite a bit, but I want to dig into this a little bit because I think you're on to something so well, and it's so commonly talked about in the body of Christ. But you know what I think it boils down to, Russ, as I'm listening to you articulate this, it boils down to trust in God, trust in the Holy Spirit. Mm. And, you know, Russ, it's not up to you and I to get someone saved. Right. It's up to us to plant or water. And, you know, Russ, just like you shared, we don't know if we're planting or watering, Mm -mm. but we have to trust God to bring the increase. This is out of first Corinthians chapter three, starting in verse five, who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. Paul says, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, here's my favorite part. And this is what I think we have to remember, that God is at work in many of us. And verse eight says this, Russ, now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. It's just amazing. Are we just going to try to make that? I love how you said it. Are we going to dig up that seed and break it open to see if it's going to grow or not? No, we have to trust (laughs) the Lord because it says uh, if I'm watering or I'm planting, it doesn't even matter. Only thing that matters is that God will bring the increase because he's promised. And is he able to do that, Russ? I think you and I are personal testimonies of that. Amen. Amen. We just discovered something through our Connected Hope homeless bus ministry. Um, you know, we're out there in the street, in the woods, wherever they are, and we have a busload of volunteers who all have different giftings. And then we encounter Remnant, and then we encounter Revive, and then we encounter Dave Rosnowski, and we encounter all these other ministries working with the same people we're working with. And it would be very easy to have that Paul and Apollos disagreement. But what we're learning is any of us who are serving God with the love of Jesus Christ, we can't be wrong in what we do. If we're loving like Jesus, we can't do anything wrong. But each one of us has a different gifting. And there are times that I've taken somebody to a couple of years through ministry and got nowhere with them. And I can say, well, I'm no good at what I'm doing or maybe somebody else could do better, has nothing to do with who's better and who's not. It has to do with giftings, which come from God. So there's certain times when I say, okay, I've reached a point with this person that we're stagnant. So now I need to pass this baton off to another ministry or another minister. And then they may have that one little special gift that I don't have that could change their life. So it's like, Mark, you can do things that I can't do, I can do things that you can't do, but together we can do great things. Man, that is spot on, Russ, as always. I'm just thinking uh, it goes on uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, in verse 10, it goes on, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation 
can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And it goes all the way back. I love how the Lord does this for us. You said in the very beginning, this is a foundation of love. And this is what he's saying. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is in Christ Jesus. And what foundation did Christ Jesus lay? Love. <laughs> I just love how this all works out. And, and God just knits our hearts together. He knits all of this together right before our eyes. You know, Russ, I was just thinking about exactly what you were sharing. And basically you were saying, listen, there's these people out there and they're doing what they can do for the kingdom. And here's what happens. This is like a statistic that I don't know who tracked this or how they even decided to track this, but they said sometimes that the gospel has to be presented to someone five to seven times before they will actually receive. And I don't know mm -hmm. if that's accurate or not, but again, it, it lends itself to the fact that whether we're planting or watering, we need to keep doing that because we might be the first person that ever introduces someone to Christ, or we may be the seventh. We don't really know. And again, it doesn't really matter as long as we're mm -hmm. doing it with love. Russ, tell us a Amen. little bit more about what you do on a regular basis, how this looks like in terms of being a lifestyle of evangelism that you do, not just on your way to work in, in the Speedway, but how do you go about your day, Russ, and what are you looking for? I guess first I should lay out my hats for you. I pastor the Gathering Place, which is a non-denominational church, more of a ministry. And I pastor New Creation Evangelical Lutheran Church. So you have two extreme congregations in terms of discipline and in terms of tradition, we'll say. The Gathering Place is more of a homeless and addiction recovery ministry. And then, of course, you got the Lutherans, the first denomination after the Reformation. But uh, we have our differences. We just don't tread those waters. We just proceed forward with the love of Jesus and we emphasize the things that we do have in common, and that's the love for Christ. We don't go tread on those waters that could cause dissension. And then I also have the bus ministry, which is Connected Hope. It started out with me and a young girl who was a former prostitute and addict, and she introduced me to the street, and we take supplies out and hand to the homeless right where they're at, and then we build relationships through those things that rust and moths eat and take our filthy rags and do our works. And then we connect them to Christ through that love of material possessions and meet their needs and make them stable, help them get comfortable, and then slowly lead them to the foot of the cross. And that meshes really well with my business, my actual vocation, which is I have a company called We Care Regional Quality Recovery Housing. I have a grant from the local mental health board. And I pay for all the rent for anyone in a recovery housing in Allen, Allglaze, and Harding counties. And then I case manage those. Currently, I have 67 people on my roster that I case manage weekly through addiction. I was a former addict myself for five years after losing my leg. And that's where I met the Lord, actually, was when I was going to break into a drugstore in Wapakoneta. Uh, right there in the parking lot, I had a Damascus Road experience. I was still an addict for two more years, and um, but I started chasing that voice I heard that night, and it led me to the foot of the cross and healing from not only my addiction, but anger, lust, all kinds of things. And then what happened was 
as the Lord led me and other men led me out of that dark woods of addiction, and then when I was ex- finally exposed to the light, there was a period of time where I had to grow being exposed to the light, just like a garden plant would grow. And then what God did was he sent me right back into the woods since I know the way out to find that next person and lead them out of that dark woods to the light at the foot of the cross. And so my, I am one of the most luckiest men in the world that I'm not a, I'm, I'm a bivocational pastor, but I don't draw a salary to be a pastor. The congregation that I have, it's not about the money. So I have a vocation that I do to support my family, but God has arranged that they both mesh so perfectly when my church is about addiction and, and homelessness. And then my business is about addiction and homelessness. I can swap back and forth all day long and just go love on who is my most urgent emergency at that, at that time and never, never change a hat. And that's all that God's doing. When I look back at the path I took to get to where I am, I had zero control over it. As a matter of fact, Mark, when I was executive director at Family Promise, I applied for that job. There was 48 people that applied for that job. Eight of them had master's degrees. The rest had bachelor's or associate degrees. I had no degree, and I got the job. And for two weeks, the first two weeks, I felt like an imposter in there um, until I met up with Mike Shanehofer, and he explained to me, that God had put me there for a reason. I needed to focus on that and not on me. And that made my life so much better. But I'm one of the luckiest people there are with my vocation, my ministry, my church, and everything points in the same direction. And all I got to do is go out there and love on people. The ones who look like they need to love the most, that's who I'm going to take care of today. And tomorrow's another day. That's so good, Russ. And I want to just mention to all the listeners, I think you can hear now uh, exactly why I wanted to get Russ on the program because he has so much to share. And I want to start to try to wrap this episode up with a scripture that the Lord gave me as I sat down here to talk with Russ. And it's so funny because the first scripture that Russ mentioned was in Isaiah and the scripture that the Lord put on my heart to describe Russ really is out of Isaiah as well. And it's out of chapter 60. And I want you to hear this, Russ, because as I know you and I know what your life is like, what your testimony is like, what you do, this is the reminder of me of how the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, Russ, and how you're letting your light so shine before men. So let me read, starting in verse 1 of Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And I know you well enough for us to say, well, it isn't me. It isn't me, brother. But it's Christ in you, Russ, the hope Mm. of glory, the scripture describes. And lastly, it goes all the way back to what you said in the very beginning of this episode. It's because you have a foundation of his love, because you have an understanding of his love. And you can't wait to share that love. Any closing remarks, Russ? The only thing I could think of is just the same thing as our relationship with God is just don't stop trying. And you may hit a few bumps in the road and God has already factored that in. 
but practice. Just trust in the Lord, pray, and then practice. And he's going to see your heart. And then when he sees your heart, he's going to condition it to boldness and courage. And it's going to start to flow from you naturally. And you'll never look back again. It's so easy. It's just loving others like Jesus loved you. So well put. So Russ, keep your phone line open, brother, because we got much more to cover, but we're out of time for this particular episode. So with your permission, I'd love to have you back on again sometime soon. And folks, I thank you for tuning in today. And if you would tune in again next week, we're going to have another exciting guest as you'll hear how they live a lifestyle of evangelism. And you've been listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.